All right, so first of all, I want to thank Pastor Michael for filling in for me last week. Uh, I listened to him. He did a great job, though he did set the bar a little bit high as far as time. Um, I, w- w- anyway, I, I just feel like he put the pressure on me there just a little bit. Um, now, for those of you who are, who are not on Facebook, uh, we did successfully hike Medicine Bow Peak a couple weeks ago. And... Uh, so it wasn't easy by any stretch. It is a hard hike. It was over five and a half miles. It was an extra mile, 1.3 miles for my son, but I, I won't tell you that story. Um, especially for my two flatland daughters, one who lives in Texas now and one who lives in Minnesota and have been there for years, right? And at 400 feet uh, elevation coming to, to Lingo, we were here for a couple days, so they acclimated to 4,000 feet, and then we went up to to 10,000 feet, and then we hiked to 12,000 feet. And um, it's a 1,700-foot ascent from the parking lot to, to Medicine Bow Peak. And uh, we, did the, we didn't do the whole circle, although Zach did. Um, we had a lot of great conversation uh, when our lungs weren't stinging, of course. And uh, we, had, we took some amazing pictures, and I, I just wanted to show you a couple of those. Uh, this is a view that, that makes medicine, hiking Medicine Bow Peak worth it. I mean, it doesn't have the whole peak there. You can't see it up here. But um, that's my son and my oldest daughter and my youngest daughter and my grandson, Asher. And then if we, if we focus from there and we, we get a little bit closer and we get a little bit closer and we get a little bit closer, that's where we started in that parking lot right there. And uh, yeah. That's not the short way that the, the other crew is going to do on the 27th. That's the five and a half mile one. Um, the one that they're going to do on the 27th is three miles. Uh, but you're ascending 1,700 feet in a mile and a half. Just, just to throw that out there, right? Um, and then this was a picture that we took in, in our campground. Um, <laughs> I love that picture. I love the one that Bennett's have of, of that. It just, it's, it's just the whole week. Uh, we were visited by a couple dozen hummingbirds the whole time we were there. I mean, they were, it, was, it was feeding frenzy on our hummingbird feeder, and uh, my son took close-up videos of that, and it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, anyway, just a, a special time. It was too short. We weren't in the mountains near long enough. I uh, wish we were still there. Uh, of course, it was cooler down here when we were up there, which was kind of disappointing. You know, because I thought, we're going to the mountains, we're going to get away from the heat. And then it was nice down here, too. So thank you. Every, uh, you're welcome, I guess, to everyone else. Um, now, we're, in, in, we're nearing the end of our study of Ecclesiastes. So we're not quite finished. Pastor Michael mentioned last week that, that we were going to give the conclusion today. That's not today. It's not next week. It's going to be the following week. So um, we're, we're, in, we're in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 today. So if you would turn there... Um, and, and, and Solomon has been outlining for us over the last nine chapters, uh, sort of reflecting back on his life, the lessons that, that he has learned and the, the observations that he has made about, about life, about the reality and the difficulty and sort of the, the seeming haphazardness of life. And uh, in chapters one and two, in fact, Solomon presented four arguments that, that he kind of declared that, that life isn't worth living because of these things that I am observing. And um, of course, those arguments that he was making were from a certain perspective, right? 
And that perspective is what? From under the sun. Just humanistically speaking, without God, without him in the picture, if we live life this way, it, it's, it's hevel. It's, it's smoke. We're grasping for stuff. We, we think that it's going to give us satisfaction. We think it's going to give us fulfillment. Um, and it turns up to be without substance. Uh, but the book of Ecclesiastes is not all cynicism and fatalism. In fact, um, he confirms all throughout the book that if we include God, our creator, we find enjoyment, we find satisfaction, we find value in the things of this life. Uh, in fact, there is so much joy and peace to be experienced in this life. And we have to be careful that we're not drawn into the, to the negative, chaotic, humanistic thinking that's, per, that, that's prevalent in our culture. Everywhere you look, it's all about me. It's all about me and what I can get and how I can do this and how I can do that. That's not Solomon's conclusion and perspective in the end. And, and when we make the decision, especially to be grateful for what God has blessed us with, our attitude changes. We experience peace, a peace that passes all understanding. It's, life is hard. I mean, the reality is it's hard. Uh, we were never, ever promised anything different, right? Jesus was very truthful and very clear. He said, in this world you will, there's going to be trouble. Uh, but, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And, in this, and because of that, you can have peace. Uh, life is unpredictable, it's chaotic, it seems haphazard to us, but God is fully in control. Fully in control. And as we seek to live life with wisdom, which he's hammering again today, wisdom, 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 and a fear and obedience of God, it is worth living. We do have good things in our life because he gives them to us. We do have purpose and mission. Now today, we're going to walk through chapter 10 where Solomon completes his review of his fourth argument presented in chapters 1 and 2, that life is not worth living if lived only under the sun. And his illustrations and his descriptions prove this time and time again in a powerful way. A, a conclusion he drew in chapter 9 that, that Pastor Michael reviewed last week is the fact that, yes, um, death is unavoidable and life can be unpredictable, but even in the midst of that, it is worth living. We can enjoy life. Even when it's 106 degrees, we can enjoy life because we have been given so much. But of course, trying to enjoy life all on our own without faith in and obedience to our creator and savior, well, what is that? It's smoke. It's hevel. It's, it, it, it brings us to a point of, in fact, it will always lead to some kind of destruction in our life, in our relationships, in our world, and certainly won't provide any kind of satisfaction. Wisdom. Wisdom is extremely important. It's, it's critical for us to live every second of our life with wisdom. Because it's in those, it's in those uh-oh moments where, where we don't think, where we're not wise, where we find ourselves getting into trouble. Because uh, if we don't live every second of our lives with wisdom, foolishness and folly, even just a small amount, 
will bring destruction and will outweigh the wisdom and honor, as he says in verses one through three. Look at verses one through three with me. As dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and, and honor. The heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the fool to the left. Even as fools walk along the road, they lack sense and show everyone how stupid they are. Now, whew, ouch, right? Okay. Everybody knows it's been war on the flies in the last couple of weeks, right? So we have, we have this thing hanging in our tree, we, the, these things hanging in our tree at home right there. All right? I brought one of those with me today. <laughs> yeah, you would have smelled it when you came in if it would have been one of those, right? Okay, so these, are, at least they were when I bought them. They're on sale at at uh, Baumgars, by the way. I was not paid for that advertisement. Um, so what I did was I, I took a bit of one of those and I put it in here in this little bottle of perfume, okay? And I need a volunteer to come up here and take a whiff. It would be the Bennett children, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, that is too funny. Okay, I didn't do that, so it doesn't smell. Sorry, I apologize. Um, but you get the illustration, right? It could be one drop of that stuff. It could be a few dead flies in a, in a bottle of perfume, and it's going to change it. You're going to notice. It's going to be gross, right? Uh, who knew that Solomon's illustration would be so understandable to us today? Just a little bit of folly. Just a little bit. Pastor Brandon's done illustrations like that with brownies, right? A little bit of cat litter, a little bit of dog poop. You know, it just takes a little bit. Not much. You mix it in there and who wants it? Not me. Because who, who knows if I'm going to get that one bite, right? It, as dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. The, the heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the fool to the left. Even as fools walk along the road, they lack sense, and they show how everyone how stupid they are. Now, I titled the message today, Fools Rush In, and in the movie, Fools Rush In, uh, a guy has a one-night stand with a woman. Three months later, he finds out that she's pregnant. They, they get married, rush into this thing, and, and bad decisions all along, right? And the rest of the movie is a, a comedy look at how, I, at least I think it's a comedy. That's what it said. I've not seen the movie. Um, I'm not suggesting that you watch it either. I'm just saying uh, the, the rest of the movie is the problems that arise from all of these quick decisions that they make. And of course, the world looks at that and goes, ha, 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 right? But just a little bit of foolishness ruined a couple lives. Uh, not ruined. I mean, they, there's restoration that can happen in that. We all make mistakes, right? Um, but verse 3, even as fools walk along the road, they lack sense and show everyone how stupid they are. They don't listen to others, right? If you're going to engage in some foolish behavior, you're not going to ask someone else if you should do that, especially somebody that you trust, because you know they're going to say, don't do it. 
But that's really what we should do, right? If we're wise, we should say, hey, is this a good idea? And I don't care what it is, financial decision, social decision, relationship decision, all, all, all things that, that, that require wisdom need us to, to be wise about those things. And, and those people who make those foolish decisions continue on their destructive path, showing everyone around them that at least in that moment, they weren't very smart. Um, and again, we all have failures in our lives, and our next move after we recognize that we've failed and we've done something wrong should be to humble ourselves before the Lord, ask him to forgive us. He will restore us. He will lift us up, and he will begin to build us on, and we will learn from that experience, right? Unlike a dog and a skunk, we learn from those experiences. Jesus Christ, our Savior. We follow him. He pulls us up and out of those disasters and he restores us. Solomon was given an incredible gift of wisdom because he asked for it. Um, I, I, I want to revisit this. It's 1 Kings chapter 3, 11 through 14. I'll read it. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to. It's not going to be up here because I didn't give it to Roy to put up here. So, God, so he, Solomon asked God for wisdom. And, and in 1 Kings uh, chapter 3, verses 11, God is answering his request. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, meaning wisdom, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Now, if you are someone who is bent towards arrogance and you hear that from God, I think it might inflate your head a little. I don't know if that happened to Solomon. I know he used his wisdom for good. We're, we're, we're given right after this, and I wish I had time to go through it, but uh, sort of the testing of his wisdom uh, when, when two women have babies and one of them dies and he just shows his amazing uh, wisdom that God has given him. But, but God doesn't stop there, right? He says, moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. Okay, and as humans, we think, wow, I can do that. I'll ask God for one thing. See how we think? Don't tell me you weren't thinking that just a little bit. If, if I obey God here, then he'll, he'll bless me over here. Surely he will. Of course he would. Well, only if he wants to. It's up to him. He's the one that gives us gifts. Uh, all things that are good come from him. Anyway, he tells Solomon, Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. Wow. Solomon's big time. I mean, we haven't taken the time as we've gone through Ecclesiastes to talk about his wealth. It's unreal. Research it. Compared to today's standards, he was the first billionaire to live on this planet. And God continues, this is almost a but as I read it, and if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. So he, he asked for wisdom, he's granted it, but not only that, he's given everything a human being would ever hope to aspire to having in their life, 
right? Wealth, uh, honor, happiness, and long life to enjoy that. There's some qualifiers in there. There's an, there's an if, if you walk. There were struggles in Solomon's life. Um, again, I wish I could go into some of the, the things that happened with some of Solomon's kids and, and as they were kings and decisions that they made, which were pretty foolish. But, but again, pointing out how important wisdom is in our passage today, if you flip the Kings, flip back to Ecclesiastes, Solomon's going to give us four examples, four experiences that provide each one of us at least one area that we can relate to. In fact, I think we all can relate to every one of these. Um, the first one is that of a leader. He, in, in, in King Solomon's day, his reference was rulers. It represents someone in authority over us, the president of the United States maybe, or a state governor or legislators, or I would even boil it down to pastors, elders, bosses, teachers, principals, a parent, somebody who has authority over you. Regardless of the position, Solomon observes foolishness in this area because they're acting without wisdom. Foolish leadership. Foolish leadership. Verse 4, if a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post. Calmness can lay great offenses to rest. There is an evil I have seen under the, under the sun, the sort of error that arises from a ruler. Fools are put in many high positions while the rich occupy the low ones. I have seen slaves on horseback while princes go on foot like slaves. He's, he's kind of he's looking at a couple different types of rulers. There's a proud ruler and then there's a pushover ruler. Uh, how should we respond? First of all, and this is it's hard for us to swallow, but it's in God's word. How should we respond when a proud ruler acts out against us? Calmly. But I don't. That's what he says. If a ruler's anger rises up against you, he doesn't say if it's justified or not. He says, this is how you don't leave your post. Calmness can lay great offenses to rest. Now, I don't think that's a guarantee. But if you've ever met somebody or you've ever watched a situation where somebody was leading ruthlessly and, and there's like this person that rises up and, you know, punches them in the face or whatever in response to that, that doesn't go so well. But if they respond in a calm way, it can often disarm the person that's coming after them. So one way that we can disarm someone who is angry, a leader who is over us, is by not reacting with the same anger. And, and when we do that, how often have you told your children? When, when somebody's bullying you or when somebody's making fun of you or, or your or your your own children, right? When, when little brother is, you know, poking you, don't respond because that's what he's looking for. You disarm him. It doesn't work. I did that with my soccer team. I, I coached my son's soccer team when they were just little. And I had, the, I had a set of twins, and they were shorter than everybody on our soccer team. And uh, we were playing this soccer game, and one of the twins came off crying. And I'm like, what's wrong? What's wrong? We took a timeout. They're saying that I'm short. Okay? Right. And, and, I, and my response was, are you? Well, yes. 
I'm like, then they're not telling you something you don't already know. So, so this is what I did. This is what I did with my soccer team. I said, look, because we played some teams that were not very nice. I said, here's what you do. When, when someone from the other team says something about you, you know, they're, not, they're naughty to you, you need to look them in the eye and you need to say thank you. That's what we did. It was the end of it. It, it, didn't, it, it was still hard for them, I'm sure, because it's not very fun when other people are calling you names and stuff. But if you look at them with a smile on your face and say thank you, they kind of go, well, that's not the response I thought I was going to get. And then they just stop. I, I think that's what he's talking about here. Um, and, and what about us as leaders ourselves? What about you in a position of leadership? Because I, I, as I prepared this sermon, I'm like, wow, I'm just kind of negative Nancy all the time in this thing. Because, you know, how do, we, how do we positively flip this over? So we're going to look at how we're foolish, but how, what Solomon is saying is foolish. But I want us to come away from this message today thinking, how can I not be foolish? What are the positive things that I can do? Well, one of them is, is don't respond to anger with anger. Uh, one of them is don't lead with arrogance and pride. Don't be a harsh leader. Be a leader that, that listens, the one, one who is, is patient, one who doesn't snap to decisions because one person says this, but one who says, well, let, let's kind of figure out what this whole situation is. Let's, you know, I'm getting one side over here. Let's get both sides so we can kind of figure out what is, what is really true, which is somewhere in the middle, right, of, of those sides. Let's be wise as we lead other people. He also says they put friends and foolish people in high positions and those who would actually fill the positions, they put them in low positions. That's kind of like nepotism, right? You, 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 this happens in politics all the time, I think. I, I, I think it does. I don't want to just beat up on politics, but it, it kind of seems that, that that happens a lot. You know, hey, if you scratch my back hard enough, when I get into a position, I'll, I'll, give, you a, I'll give you a position. Whether you're qualified or not, I'm going to put you in that position. Um, yeah, no, Solomon says that's, that's ridiculous. Well, we need to lead with patience and care, and, and we need to lead with truth. Um, don't lord it over people, but lead the way. A, a foolish leader also makes decisions based on the whims of the people. He, he describes in another, and I didn't, turn there because I didn't think I was going to have time and I, I don't really, but um, there is a, uh, an account in 1 Kings between Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and, and Jeroboam is bringing, I think, the message to Rehoboam, who's the king, who is the son of Solomon, and, and the people come to the king, Rehoboam, and say, hey, your father, you know, ruled us with a heavy hand. Um, can you cut us some slack? And, and he, he asks the elders who were elders under Solomon, what should I do? And the elders say, you should cut the people some slack. And then he goes to his friends. And his friends say, no, nah, don't do that. Don't do that. You need, to, you need to send him this message. And he does. And the people are like, forget it. You're not leading us. He listened to the younger 
ones who in that moment in time were only thinking of themselves. Uh, Proverbs 4.23 has wisdom here. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. When, when you're in a position of leadership, you need, to, you need to ask God to help you to guard your heart because we can quickly find ourselves in a place where we lord it over other people just because we have that position or that title behind our name. And we need to lead with love. A second group Solomon comments on are the workers themselves. Many of us fit into that role. Hopefully not the foolish aspect, of course. Uh, Foolish workers. Whoever, verse 8, digs a pit may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. If a snake bites before it is charmed, the charmer receives no fee. So what is Solomon saying there? Is he simply pointing out that every job has occupational hazards? Um, Is Solomon teaching us that hard work is foolish because we might get hurt? No, I don't think he's teaching those things. No, his his theme is folly, right? His, His theme is foolishness and wisdom. And throughout Ecclesiastes and Proverbs, he points out the importance of honest labor. So he's not talking about we shouldn't work. Uh... In fact, he he tells us over and over that we can find joy and satisfaction from our work. In fact, we were created for work. Now, I think Solomon is pointing out that even when it comes to our work, fools rush in. Um, all, All these situations that the preacher mentions are valid activities. Digging pits, breaking down walls, quarrying stones, chopping wood. Even snake charmers had a place in, in the culture in that day and in that time. All these things can be done if one uses wisdom and you take the proper precautions. Now, we've all laughed at pictures depicting why women live longer than men, right? Right? You've all seen them. Uh, there, I, 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 I picked four of them to show us. Huh? You didn't put those in? Why? I'm telling you, my mind has been, Roy, Roy, I mean, he's messaged me last night, hey, what about this and what about this? I'm like, seriously, I didn't mark any of that stuff? You can give us an example of the person. Okay, I could. <laughs> Right? That would be an example. There were, uh, there were, there, I had a picture of a forklift on a forklift on a forklift. Uh, I don't know. There were a couple of, there was, there was one of, there was this plank off of a balcony and there's a guy standing on the end of the plank working on something and there's two other guys standing on this side of the plank. Right? Okay. We get the point. Um, Basically, it, it boils down to this. When we think to our... Now, women can do this too. All right, this is not just a man's thing, but... <laughs> probably more often. Oh, yeah, that one right there. Come on. I mean, air conditioning is important, right? Um, this one. Yeah, there you go. That's super smart. I'm sure nobody said, what can happen? 
Okay, now I have put I have put an extension ladder on top of a trailer to trim a tree before. My wife was holding the ladder and dodging the branches as I'm cutting them off. So here's the thing. When, when we're on the brink of foolishness as a worker and we utter our set to ourselves or we think, I probably shouldn't be doing this this way. Seriously, I don't know how many times I've said that and still done the thing and it turned out exactly like I thought it would. What I thought would happen, but I was sort of secretly hoping wouldn't, happened. We got to be wise. <laughs> Seriously, the, the common denominator with all of these foolish workers seems to be presumption to me. They're overconfident and they ended up hurting themselves or making their jobs harder. We need to heed God's word. We, we need to heed God's word and, and work smarter, not harder. We need to stop trying to prove something by trying to get it done quick or in a dangerous way as a worker. I mean, he's, he's given us some incredible practical wisdom here. And, and then you know, alongside of that, Colossians 3, 23 and 24, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for your Lord, for the Lord, not for human masters. We need to work hard. Yes, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. But he's not saying work stupidly or foolishly. God gifts us with the talents and abilities to work. Let's be wise as we work. And when we are, we'll not be foolish. If I probably shouldn't do this or do this this way enters your mind, take a moment to rethink the decision. Seriously. Foolish leaders, foolish workers. The next one is this. Number three, foolish talkers. Look, our words are important. Words matter. Our culture throws them around like it's no big deal. Um, The things that we say out loud, the things that we type and send in text messages and emails, and especially the things that we share on social media. Words from the mouth, verse 12. Words from the mouth of the wise are gracious, but fools are concerned by their own lips. At the beginning, their words are folly. At the end, they are wicked madness. And fools multiply words. No one knows what is coming. Who can tell someone else what will happen after them? The toil of fools wearies them. They do not know the way to town. So first of all, foolish words are destructive. Um, Rushed and impatient words can cut like a knife. They can destroy husbands and wives and children. Wise words are gracious and suited for all ages at all occasions. Jesus always seemed to say the right things at the right times. We need to try to emulate him. Uh, James 1.19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That's wise truth for us to heed and listen to and live. Wise words encourage and lift up. Uh, Wise words help others get better, not tear them down so we look better. So let's use our words constructively. Let's think before we talk or post or share. Uh, Isaiah 50 verse 4 is our memory verse for this week, and it's kind of an, an odd one. It's one that probably nobody's read or heard before. The sovereign Lord has given me a well instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. May we be instructed and we, may we speak that instruction to, to encourage others. May our well-instructed tongue sustain the weary. 
At the beginning, their words are folly. At the end, they are wicked madness. Foolish talkers are unreasonable. They don't make sense when they talk, and, and then they just keep talking and talking and talking. Let's not be that person. Um, Paul calls these people unruly and vain talkers in Titus chapter 1, verse 10. For there are many rebellious people full of meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group. J.B. Phillips says it this way, Who will not recognize authority who talk nonsense? Have you ever met somebody that knows everything about everything? Or they know everything about, they know something about everything, right? And, and the best thing to do, I think, with a person like that is to engage them in conversation because they're eventually going to throw themselves under the bus, especially if you know something about what they think they know something about. Now, I'm not saying that'd probably be a good thing to do, maybe. Um, basically, let's be reasonable in our speech, Solomon says. Um, foolish talkers are also uncontrolled. Foolish words are uncontrolled words. Um, the fool is full of words without realizing that he's saying nothing. We can pray that way, Right? We can say lots and lots of words. We think big words, fancy words in front of our friends. Oh, look how spiritual I am, but they're just empty. No, they need to be with meaning, truthful. Um, Proverbs 10, 19. Uh, the fool is full of words. Those who restrain their words are wise, Solomon says. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5, 37. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Foolish words are destructive, unreasonable, uncontrolled, and they're boastful. Foolish people talk about the future as if they either know all about it or they can control it somehow. Now, we all fit into this. Hey, what are you doing next week? What are you doing next month? Hey, we're going to go on a vacation. We're going to go on vacation on July 1st. That was my plan. Didn't happen. Right? What I should have said was we're going to go camping on July 1st if the creek don't rise or the canal don't break out. <laughs> because that's exactly what happened. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Proverbs 27, 1 says that. He's not saying don't make plans. He's saying don't make plans as if you're guaranteed that that's what's going to happen. At least four times in Ecclesiastes, Solomon reminds us that we're ignorant of the future. Now, a really wise person accepts the fact that we don't know the future, and a fool rejects it. James 4, 13 through 17. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will go do this and we will go do that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. In summary of foolish talkers, I'm reminded of something that my dad often said. Dad often said, it's better to keep your mouth shut and be thought a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. Right? Yeah. Sometimes it's just best to just keep our mouth shut. Uh, number four, foolish living. 
Verse 16, woe to the land whose king was a servant and whose princes feast in the morning. Blessed, blessed is the land whose king is of noble birth and whose princes eat at a proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Through laziness, the rafters sag because of idle hands, the house leaks. A feast is made for laughter, wine makes life merry, and money is the answer for everything. Okay, stop there. I mean, I get all that, right? If you got a bad leader, the, the whole organization is going to suffer. Okay? And, and there are many who think that there are many leaders in our world today who are bad leaders and the building is going to suffer. And it, it is some. Okay? But, but, but before, before we say anything, we need to read verse 20. Do not revile the king, even in your thoughts. Or curse the rich in your bedroom because a bird in the sky may carry your words and a bird on the wing may report what you say. Remember uh, the, the Hey Siri uh, plan when we talked about gossip? If your phone recorded everything you said about a person and then sent that person a recording of your conversation, um, would that be good? Would you be okay with that? that that's kind of what it seems that Solomon is saying here. Uh, I mean, as I've thought about this, it's like, okay, there has to be some respect for the office, for sure. And though there may not be respect for the person, opening our mouths is not a good idea. Um, I'm not saying don't be opposed. I, I, I'm, not, I, I'm, just, I'm just surfacing here, okay? And this is hard for us because we, we justify those funny posts on Facebook that, that are not so honoring of our president, whoever it might be, and whenever it was, or whatever person is in a leadership position. You don't like them, vote against them, period. You don't like the bills that they're proposing? Write letters, stand up against them, have conversations with them. Why are you voting this way? What, what, what are you thinking? And if you disagree, vote against them. But I, I just, and I'm not innocent of this, okay? A lot more innocent lately. Uh, it's easy to just click share because it's funny. But is it respectful? We, we, we just, it's hypocritical. <laughs> uh, because we, we want to be forgiven and, and then we refuse to forgive others and, and pray for them. Um, Again, we're, we're, it, this is like super challenging here by sins that God has made us aware of, at least me, in, in the seven respectable sins category. And, and I'm not going to dwell on these. Um, I, I, look, just chew on that. Um, think about that. Of course, it's better to have a good king rather than a bad one, right? I mean, we all want good leaders, but we're not always going to have good leaders. So how do we, as Christ followers, respond to those bad leaders? And it sure seems to me like Solomon is saying right here, don't revile them, even in your thoughts. Wow, pray for them. Don't revile them. Woe to the land who has a bad king or leaders. Right, Four words that summarize Solomon's description here as it relates to how we live foolishly are, and I'm just going to put all of these up, indulgence, 
These are the next four bullet points. Incompetence, indifference, and indiscretion. Those are signs of a bad leader. And look, if, if, if you're convicted and challenged by any of those words, like you, you read those words and like, uh, I'm suffering from indifference right now as a leader. It's time to get on your knees, either literally or in the quietness of your heart, and say, God, I need you to help me. I need your spirit to fill me. I need you to change my heart so that I can live the way that you want to, me to live wisely. That, 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 that I don't rush in as a fool. Let's not justify our attitudes before God just because we want to have them. Let's, let's turn and, let, and allow God's word to influence our hearts. Let, let's seek wisdom from the Holy Spirit. Let's humble ourselves. Let's live with wisdom even when it requires difficult and uncomfortable decisions in our lives. And, and I just want to end with this. Psalm 139, 23 through 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way, of, uh, the way everlasting. You see, fools rush in. Let's not be fools. Let's be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. The reason that we did communion at the beginning of, or towards the beginning of the service is because I always feel like I didn't take too much time, and then communion is rushed, and I wanted us to have good time for communion, and I feel like maybe we had that today. Let's stand. I'm going to close us in prayer, and we're going to be dismissed. Lord Jesus, I, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for King Solomon, though he wasn't perfect, nor was his father David. Yet you say multiple times, or you say at least once, that David was a man after your own heart, though he was sinful, though, though he committed murder and adultery. God, he, he, he turned to you with a broken and a contrite heart, and you restored him, and you loved him. And that's us. That's us, too. You love us. You gave your life for us. You, you bore pain on a cross for us. Knowing that we were going to make the knowing the foolishness that was going to be in our everyday lives. You don't want us to be fools. But when we are, you, you forgive us when we come to you with broken and contrite hearts. And God, I pray that for all of us. That, that in our failures, that, that we would turn to you and that we would, that we would repent and submit and we would recognize that you forgive completely. And, and if there's someone here today who has failed and they've, they've repented and they've come to you and they've asked for forgiveness, but they still feel shame, God, I pray that you would help root out the lie of the enemy in their life. Because there is no shame in Christ Jesus. You forgive us. God, help us to remember that when we fail and when we're, when we're foolish. But, but when we do fail, well, first, help us not to fail and be foolish. Help us to live wisely. God, I pray that all of us would consult a trusted friend, consult your word, pray faithfully to hear from you that we might be wise as we live and proclaim the good news of the gospel to our friends and our neighbors and our world. And Lord, I pray too that you would help us to experience the forgiveness when you give it to us. Help us to not listen to the enemy when he says that 
that you don't love us and that you're not here and that we don't have hope because we do. Help us to enjoy life in you. Life under the sun as we keep our minds above the sun. Bring us back here next week faithfully in Jesus' name. Amen.